94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. On the line, the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for, for making the time. I understand we have some breaking news that you want to share with us. Mm. Yes. So um, sometimes it's nice to have just good news. And, and the good news today is it appears that we will drop under 100 people in the hospital with COVID Ooh. for the first time in many months. Wow. In, in wow. fact, for the first time since the Delta surge occurred. So that's a major milestone for the state of Hawaii. We're down 78% from our peak, which was 448 people in the hospital on September 3rd. Mm. And we rode that wave up just like every other state. But it was very scary for, for of course, the people suffering with COVID and those who work in the hospital, like myself and many, many hundreds of thousands of, of nurses and doctors. So it was a trying time, but we've come through it and now back down to 99. And I think the case counts in the hospital continue to fall significantly in the coming two weeks. And this this is a good thing because, of course, that will mean also there will be far fewer fatalities. There will be far fewer uh, just heartaches for families across the state. And it will also mean that the governor and the mayors will be able to recommend significant reductions in restrictions. I, I think very significant. You're already seeing the first blush of that with the mayors pulling back on some of the outdoor restrictions. I think we should probably simplify. You may want to talk about this more later, but it, it looks as though to me, because our counts are coming down so nicely and because our vaccination rate's gone up so precipitously, we're now at big numbers vaccinated, that we can begin to get rid of all the outdoor restrictions, I hope. And that should come sometime if I were making the full recommendation, and I am, uh, but they have to make the decision sometime in early November, followed a few weeks later by significantly decreasing indoor restrictions. All of this gets us back to normalcy before the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays. And I think that's an important thing to talk about um, and make it easy for people to understand. Mm -hmm. Also, I understand we are just on, as you were saying, just on the edge of hitting that 70 percent vaccination. Now, I know the governor once upon a time was saying we'll drop all restrictions at 70 percent. That's no longer the case. Right now we're at 69.9 percent. So it looks like if not today, sometime over the next day or two, we'll hit 70 percent. Can you, um, Lieutenant Governor, explain for our listeners why it is that the 70 percent full vaccination rate, however, is not the magic number anymore at which, you know, all restrictions drop? Sure. So when the governor described seventy uh, percent as a as a threshold for vaccination, first of all, it was pretty aspirational because it was not clear how easy it would be to get to seventy percent. Keep in mind, the United States right now is only at fifty seven percent nationally for completed vaccination. So we're thirteen percent ahead of the national average. Uh, that's one thing. Two, Delta occurred. The, tel- the Delta variant is much much more infectious. It has what's called an R naught of six, which means for every person that gets infected they have tended to infect six other people, as opposed to the initial uh, variant of, of COVID only had an R naught of about two, which meant that if I caught it, I would typically give it to just two people. So when it's six, it just spreads like wildfire. And that's what happened. It, it happened to be over the 4th of July weekend. As the Delta variant hit Hawaii, we had hoped that the fact that we had two thirds of our people more or less vaccinated, that would stop the virus from spreading. But it really was not enough. And so anybody who was not immune in some way or other through vaccination or because they had COVID before, they caught it. And so that's why the governor definitely pulled back some from that, from that standard of 70% that he had mentioned. I will say this, though. 
we are a lot more immune than 70%. We are at 70% fully vaccinated sometime today. I think that you can take that um, with some confidence to the bank. But we also have initiated over 78% of our entire state. And for all those who are eligible, remember, you got to set aside the 203,000 keiki that are under age 12. We've had 92.5% of all of our society, 12 and older, at least start getting vaccinated. So they've got immunity. And the 100,000 or so people who just are refusing to get vaccinated because of their beliefs or uh, religious considerations or what have you, those guys, most of them caught COVID and have immunity. Many, many of that 100,000 people in the last three months have gone uh, and unfortunately caught COVID and some have become quite sick. So for the purposes of immunity, I think we're pushing well over 80% now as far as our state having some form of immunity. And that's why you're seeing the cases drop. A lot of people refer to that as herd immunity. That term is is maybe not the most popular term right now. But suffice it to say, we have so much immunity now that our cases are dropping 50% every two weeks. Mm. And that is, that's very, excuse me, that's very encouraging. Let me just ask you this then. Okay, so it's very encouraging indeed that the numbers have come down so precipitously, uh, vaccination rates and immunity so high. There are some people who are just, you know, still a little nervous, though, because we that surge, that massive surge that we had, we came right to the edge in terms of how many hospitalizations we had, how fast Delta was spreading. It's it's barely in our rearview mirror. And so I'm just going to pose for the you know, the listeners who are asking this about isn't this just kind of fast that we're doing this? How do you react to that? Um. Uh, well, no, I, I respect their concern, but the answer is just got to follow the science. And all across the world, the way Delta behaved was because it was so infectious, it would roar through a society and then it, it essentially runs out of oxygen. It runs out of the capability of infecting more people. And that's why the numbers are dropping. So our average case counts down to 136 a day. Remember, it peaked at 850. And so it's just important that that people look at the science and not just reflect on fear. You have to also consider the fact that there's been essentially a post-traumatic stress disorder created by COVID and the sheer numbers of just anxiety, just anxiety, which have pushed up to like 30 percent of the population would explain why you're getting people writing in saying, hey, no, don't do anything that's not like a full lockdown mm-hmm. because it is scary. But if they are vaccinated, if, if a listener is, is you know listening to us right now and they're fully vaccinated, what I can tell them is this. The likelihood of them getting COVID still exists, but it's eight times lower than if they weren't vaccinated. I can also say this to them. The likelihood of them being hospitalized so sick that they need hospital care is very low. And the tragic part for those who are not vaccinated is that all the deaths virtually, like over 98 percent of all the fatalities, the terrible outcomes occur if people have no protection. So if you're vaccinated, you really do not need to be worrying about the policies that come from the governor or me or, or a mayor. If you're fully vaccinated, you're in a good space. Now, there's considerations beyond that. Your children might not be vaccinated, and that, that's reason for concern. Their, um, their kupuna in their family, if they've had the shot eight, nine, ten months ago, their, their immunity might be waning. They should go get a booster. So there are lots of things to be thoughtful about but not afraid of. And so I think that we are better positioned than any other state in the country because, number one, we have a better vaccination initiation rate than anybody. And two, 
we actually still have a safe travels program, which, by the way, turns one today. It's, it's birthday is exactly today. Hey. And the safe yeah, it's cool, you know. So um, happy first birthday, Safe Travels, and the program <laughs> that we put together with the, you know, with the Gov and and General Har and Libby and all those guys. Great work from them. Uh, Doug Murdoch and his team deserve special uh, kudos. Look, that meant that we had 7.8 million travelers in the last 12 months. We normally would have had like 10 million, so we were about 78 percent of the travel, and that meant our economy could survive and people could actually live and pay for food or their rent or their kids' education. Of those people, of the 7.8 million travelers, remember 1.57 million of those were us. You know, us making one or two two trips to go see our loved ones on the mainland or have them come visit us to keep connected, to make sure that the other parts of life persisted in spite of COVID. And we were able to use the exemption, which was at first just the test, right, and then the vaccination, for 7.4 million out of those 7.8 million people. The other individuals had to go into quarantine. And we're the only state, only state that did this comprehensively. And look what's happening now. The federal government just announced they're doing the same thing, starting on uh, November 8th with people traveling into the United States. So, you know, I'm really proud of our team for doing that. It was not perfect. You know, I never said it was perfect, but it caused a very significant decrease in cases here. And it did something else. It made people actually go through a process to consider whether it was smart to travel. A lot of people probably took tests or chose simply not to travel if they were at risk, if they were uh, contact with COVID, close contact, mm-hmm. because they knew they had to go through an extra process to come to Hawaii. So when, when people criticize the program, they miss that point entirely, that this set up a very large literal filter with the testing and the, and the vaccine cards. And it also set up a practical filter where you just couldn't come here if you had a fever. You just couldn't travel to Hawaii if you had recently been at high risk. So it, it worked, and it worked very well, and we'll probably continue that even as we begin to come back down off of restrictions outdoors. All right. Thank you very much. I just saw this update, actually. The FDA advisory panel endorses Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 booster shots for people 18 and older. Yeah, that's and at breaking least, news. That, yeah, yeah just, mm-hmm. I just got that update. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to get your yeah. thoughts on that. Also, our listener, Heidi, um, she wanted updates on, on the Moderna one as well uh, as the uh, J&J booster. So I just want to get your thoughts on that, LG. You bet. Okay, so let's let's do boosters 101, first of all. Okay, so <laughs> if, if you've been fully vaccinated, uh, say with Pfizer or Moderna, or you've got the Johnson Johnson shot, we're now recommending boosters if it's been six months since you finished the series. Okay, six months after, we're recommending you get a booster. If you got the Pfizer two shots, we're basically recommending you get a, a Pfizer booster. And it's for 65 years and older people. First, that's the first priority. Second priority is if you have chronic disease of any age, 18 and older, if you've got severe lung disease, heart disease, cancer, and so on. And then finally, if you're in a high-risk working group, like you're contacting a lot of people every day, you're a nurse, you're just at higher risk to catch COVID. So you go get your booster. It will supercharge your immunity. Now, we also heard that you got uh, the Moderna option, right? The Moderna booster seems to be extremely effective. And so if you've received the Moderna, once again, It's been six months. You're in these groups, same groups. Go get your vaccination booster. It's only a half dose. It's 50 microgram dose. So it's not just a third shot. It's a booster. Very effective in pumping up your antibodies. And now we're hearing that you can get this extra shot, this extra dose. I believe it's going to be after two months uh, for Johnson & Johnson. And that means it'll be a two-month kind of, rather a two-shot protocol 
and it'll get you extra immunity. And people who got the Johnson Johnson, which were actually in very small numbers here in Hawaii, that was me. Um, this gives them an extra. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it, gives you, it gives you an extra option. Now, it's been very good immunity, okay? And once again, people who are immunized have a very low risk of catastrophic outcomes. But these are, the, these are usually the ways you do vaccines. You get the first doses, you build up initial immunity, and then you need a booster, kind of a reminder to your immune system. And that's what we're seeing. It's going to continue to be important because, look, the country, like I mentioned, is only a 50% vaccinated state uh, or status. They have to get their act together and get vaccinated. Or they're going to have big problems. Because remember, we faced significant case numbers, case counts with the Delta variant when we were already two-thirds of our state vaccinated. They're only at 57%. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people should go get these boosters. I think they're very worth doing. And it's particularly important for people who have high uh, mortality risks. And that's our elderly They've been using the number 65, that age. That's not very old. But if you're 77 or 83, you definitely want to go get that booster because it will keep you out of the hospital almost every time. All right. Thank you. Um, As a follow-up question, sir, so you mentioned that right now for emergency use authorization of the boosters, uh, people 65 and older, people with chronic diseases, people with high-risk work. The rest of us... When do you think we'll be approved for boosters? And also, since we're talking about shots, when will children under 12 be approved for vaccines, like fully approved? Those are really important questions. Let's do the easy one first. So children age 5 to 12, and there are 119,000 of these folks in our state. One of them is my son, Sam, who turned 11 this last Sunday. Um, So happy birthday, Sammy. The the group of age 5 to 11 will likely be approved the week of October 26th. Oh, that's soon. They're hearing, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so it's super soon. Like in in the next 10 days or so, they're going to be in discussions uh, with the FDA and CDC, and they will likely set their follow-up meeting on the 29th, Friday the 29th, to give full approval. That's what I would predict. So people will start getting, uh, these are age 5 to 11, will start at least getting the Pfizer shot. They're doing it, I believe, at a 0.3 uh, dose, in other words, like 30 microgram dose as compared to the full dose for adults. So 30% as strong, and it's been very effective to stop COVID and give you antibodies. I will also say that a lot of kids have been exposed to COVID already and probably have antibodies, but it'll be safe to do. And that means a lot of extra immunity. I mean, 119,000 people in the state of Hawaii is is not a uh, a small number. I mean, as a percentage of our population, we're talking about like... Um, eight and a half percent of our population will be now eligible again to get the shots. So that's the first group. And I think that's going to come super soon. So that's one thing. Now for boosters for everybody else, usually what has happened is the cohorts that come after the high risk cohorts usually start three to four months after. So I would say about three months from now, the boosters will be made available to everybody once we've had the opportunity to go to the most high risk groups. So if you're sitting there right now and you had your full vaccination, you got two, say Moderna shots or two Pfizer shots, whatever, and and or you got that Johnson Johnson, but you had no other risks. You know, you're you're 46 years old. Um, you work in a job where you see people, but you're not like in a hospital setting where everyone's sick all the time. You don't have any health problems. You don't need to worry. You're fully vaccinated. Even if you get a breakthrough case, you're not going to get so sick. It's going to be mild disease. You're not going to go into the hospital. We have other things we can do to help you just in case you're fine. So don't fret that. Don't stress. You're actually in a great place because you're so young and healthy. It's really more impactful for those who have some other kind of underlying health condition or who are very old. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
All right. Thank you very much for that. Um, Sir, I wanted to pivot a little bit and ask you to help our listeners understand something that happened this week. So uh, the Star Advertiser had that story about flu being more deadly than COVID. Now, they have since corrected that story. They've uh, uh, clarified the data. I think the Department of Health came after they ran that story. And, and by the way, of, of course, a whole bunch of critics and non-believers in the pandemic took that story and ran with it. They went, whoa, see, look, flu is more you know deadly than COVID. Lots of confusion with that story. Star Advertiser has since uh, printed uh, corrections on that story and uh, corrected the headline on that story as well. The, the correction on that story actually reads, I'm looking at the Star Advertiser uh, story right now. It says this story and its headline have been edited to remove inaccurate information regarding prevalence of flu compared to COVID-19, and then it, it goes on. Uh, without going into the details of the numbers uh, f- on my part, Lieutenant Governor, if you could help our listeners understand what is the truth between how deadly flu is, which we've been living with for forever, and COVID-19, which is more deadly? Sure. Okay. So first of all, um, let me say this. I think it was a miscommunication probably between lots of people who are very busy. So I want to give extra understanding to both the press and to the Department of Health. There's mm-hmm. so much information. To Everybody's trying. Yeah, pretty, absolutely. Pretty tough. Yeah, pretty tough. And, and I think you can get your wires crossed a little bit because some of this data had to be teased out. So, but let me tease it out for you. So first of all, COVID is far more lethal than flu. Historically, let's just talk about two individuals or two groups of people who catch the flu or COVID. Historically, one out of every uh, 1,500 people who catch the flu, one out of every 1,500 will die. For COVID, one out of every 100 people who have confirmed COVID die. Mm. So the flu has been 15 times more lethal than COVID. Another way to look at that is if you have uh, 100 people, you're going to have one death from COVID, but you have to have a full 1,500 people before you're going to see a death from flu. So Flu is, is um, you know, way, way, way less lethal than COVID. That's one thing. All right. Now, two, a lot of the data that was in that story crosses over because what do these two things have in common? Well, you can get pneumonia uh, from having had the flu and you can get pneumonia after having had COVID. They're just different viruses, influenza virus versus coronavirus. This coronavirus is nastier and when you get one of those pneumonias, they end up listing it in Department of Health as a death from pneumonia and also with COVID. They do count them separately, but it's sometimes difficult to tease out. Mm. So you could have had a lot of people um, ultimately in that pneumonia and flu category. And I think that that caused some confusion uh, in the initial writing of the, the article. But I don't even criticize them for that. I, you know, I understand that people need to get out information. And it was very it, at its surface, it looked very enticing as though it was making a case uh, that really it wasn't. It, it just wasn't the way they were trying to express the data from Department of Health. Mm-hmm. So I hope that that helps people. Let me let me walk it back a little bit. So we've had 857 fatalities from COVID. We only really know about one direct flu fatality uh, over this period of time, like one, because there was no flu. And why is that? Because flu spreads when people breathe and cough and sneeze on each other. Well, because of COVID, everyone was wearing masks, and so we had almost no flu season last year. I can tell you, normally I see a ton of flu in the ER. I'm on call this weekend. Normally, at this time of the year, I start seeing a lot of flu. 
just saw none. I think that's actually not true. I had one case of someone with the flu, and they weren't even that sick. Mm-hmm. They certainly didn't die. Mm-hmm. So, you know, flu kind of went away this last year. But pneumonias and fatalities from pneumonias occur. You know, you have about it's like a 15 to 30 percent chance of dying of pneumonia if you're over 80 years old. I mean, it's that lethal. Pneumonia is very dangerous, and, and the flu can also really take you down. But all of this underscores the need to avoid COVID and avoid the flu. So go get your flu shot, please, if you're out there. Go get your COVID booster if you're due for it. And that's how we continue to stay the state with, um, you know, remain the state that's got, like, the second lowest mortality rate from these diseases and the second lowest uh, COVID rate, period. If it wasn't for darn Vermont, we'd be best in the country. <laughs> Come on, away. we can do it. We can do it. We still got to, we're still not quite with the done with the game yet. So we'll see. Um, no. OK. Uh, and I know. Uh, thank you so much for that, uh, Lieutenant Governor. Um, wanted real quickly to ask you about long COVID. So, you know, we have all of these, uh, you know, cases in Hawaii and, and lots of times people kind of go, oh, we've had this many cases and look how small the number of deaths are compared with the number of cases. And the the story of what people suffer when they have long COVID is kind of lost in that milieu between, you know what I mean, like the, the there are these cases and there are these deaths. What happens to the people yeah. in the in-between? Um, I noticed that the health department is running a, a series of commercials about people who are suffering from long COVID. One of my friends is still suffering. It's been almost half a year. And she still doesn't have smell or taste. She's still completely just wow. like just like laid flat with the fatigue and everything and suffering through that. What percentage of the yeah. cases get long COVID? Is this something that the state is addressing, you know, learning to understand and what's going to be done about that? Yes, it is, actually. And uh, I want to thank, for instance, um, Dr. Ira Zunin, who's a good friend of mine who's done a lot of work on this already. And I've heard a lot also from Dr. Sandra Chang and so, and, and Lee over at Japsom. These guys are really working on this hard already. It looks to, it looks to um, be that between 10 and 30 percent of all people who suffered cases of COVID will have some symptoms from long COVID. And the, the correlation seems to be the more severe one's illness, the more risk that you have for having long COVID symptoms, whether it's shortness of breath, extreme fatigue, body aches, muscle aches, and so on. So it's a concern because you're talking about 82,000 people in the state of Hawaii have had confirmed COVID. And I'm, I'm willing to bet that at least three times this number have also had COVID and we were never uh, testing them. So you'll have a quarter of a million people by the end of this pandemic, at least, that experience COVID in one form or another. And if it's 10%, then you're talking about 25,000 people which will have chronic disease to deal with. If it's 30%, it'll be 75,000 individuals. It's, it's not at wow. all an insignificant number. So uh, we will not have a treatment for it very likely, but we will have to acknowledge its impact on our lifestyle. And some people will have to change their jobs because they may have been a physical laborer and, and they may not be able to do that quite as easily. Other people are obviously going to wrestle with the severe consequences and the psychological consequences of not being, you know, able to do all the things that they used to do. Viruses have always done this uh, to people. There's a long history of viruses that can cause other illnesses. Some viruses cause chronic fatigue syndrome, which is not that unlike this uh, long COVID concern. Other viruses can actually cause just a lot of different 
um, problems. They can cause encephalopathies or inflammation in different organ systems so that your organs don't work quite as well. So those are the things to be uh, watching out for. And the best thing you can do is to go in and do what you're always supposed to do, which is go see your primary care doctor and get a good uh, physical and routine labs and everything to make sure you're okay sometime after you've recovered from COVID. Three to six months after that, get a really thorough physical, get all your lab work done, make sure your kidneys and liver and everything's working right. And then at least it'll be um, able to, it'll be something you can mitigate. Uh, but a lot of it also is uh, mental health challenges. We're seeing a lot of extra depression. We're seeing a lot of anxiety. And the manifestation of these concerns, these diseases, often also kind of spill over to fatigue. Uh, dep- you know, the, the signs of depression are often like fatigue, hopelessness, and so on. So mm-hmm. that's also right in the mix. So all these things are just going to be important. This is going to be a focus of mine, actually, in the coming year. We're probably going to be dealing with two main things for COVID after the new year. And those two things will likely be boosters, well, three things, forgive me, boosters, economic recovery, and the impact of long COVID. And my team will be working on that day in, day, day, in, day out. And we'll, we'll try to give you the best updated information if you still want me on the, on the show to give you those <laughs> kind of updates. And, and they won't be quite as dramatic as hearing, you know, we're down 78% from the peak in the hospitals or, you know, we have now, you know, it was quite explosive when it was three, four, 500 cases a day. Oh, yeah. But it will be just as impactful on people's lives. And so that's where we'll focus. And I don't want people to worry the best thing you can do is beef up your own immune system, have good nutrition, continue to exercise, make sure you spend enough time recovering psychologically from the isolation, spend time with your family and friends that you've missed over the time. And a lot of that will cure some of the, at least the, the uh, mental health components of COVID. Mm-hmm. The physical components, those are going to be harder to deal with, but we'll, we'll, work, we'll work at it as a medical community. All right. Thank you. And uh, by the way, we won't be mad when we don't have to do big dramatic headlines about COVID anymore because mm-hmm. that's, uh, yeah, that's always uh, really, really difficult for so many people. By the way, the World Health Organization this past week did declare long COVID, like actually uh, created a formal definition mm-hmm. for long COVID. So it re- re- recognizes it as a legitimate thing. And actually, because we have about 81,000 people in Hawaii who have had COVID in one form or another, some percentage of them with long COVID, that's, a, that's an important development. So, uh, Lieutenant Governor, any final messages you want to send to everybody, especially with Halloween coming? Any last yes. guidance? Well, I highly recommend people get those mini Snickers bars and <laughs> and Reese's cups. For, what about the hundred grand, man? They, Come on, yeah. so, no candy corn. I'm down, but they melt. So, um, you know, I I really think people should be. Um, they should appreciate the sacrifice that they and their neighbors have made. They should be thanked for that. Be safe over Halloween, but enjoy it. It's an outdoor event for the most part. Wear masks if you're in close proximity, like, you know, if you're in Manoa and there's always a big crowd of people out there um, trick-or-treating. That's where we often go with our friends. Uh, but when you're out there trick-or-treating, be safe. Still have put a mask on the kids in case they're going to be around a lot of people, but go and have a holiday. And, and, you know, reward yourselves, I think, for such high vaccination rates where 92.5% initiated uh, for those who are eligible. I mean, that's mm-hmm. huge. And let this be the launching pad for a very safe Thanksgiving and Christmas holiday also. Again, be safe, be smart. If you're indoors or if you're unvaccinated, you know, put extra precautions uh, in place. But 
have a very important uh, return or or hopefully return toward normal. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, a little candy after a pandemic is not going to hurt. So (laughs) go and enjoy. Everyone begin to heal. And I'm really proud of everybody for all the sacrifice they've made. So it's time to reward ourselves a little bit. All right. Sounds good. You read. You're my witness. The doctor recommended candy. So that's, Snickers and Reese's. That's that's my main takeaway from Reese's this entire. Not not thousand hundred thousand dollars what? necessarily. And no candy Sorry. corn. <laughs> how you guys, candy. How are you guys that's dissing my favorite debate. candies? Candy corn is your favorite. It is one of it, my favorites. It, I am. I believe in candy corns, and I will not lie to you. A frozen $100,000 bar is a really good candy. <laughs> See, there Ugh. you go. All right. You heard it from the doctor himself. Ugh, candy yes. corn. <laughs> I'm not a dentist, okay? <laughs> that is true. All right. We want to say thank you one more time to the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Be safe, everyone.